At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for hanging out here with me. Glad that you are along for the ride. It's a lot of stuff to get into. I know it's been a minute since I posted a pod. That's why I love the Sports Adjacent guys, because they're putting out stuff every week, which is great. And if you haven't listened to the last couple episodes, I highly advise that you do, because my boys are funny. (laughs) And you'll find out, you'll get an idea of how funny they actually are if you check out the last couple of episodes. And you should honestly go back through their whole catalog. Before I get started... I want to let I I want to tell everyone that listens to podcasts here on House of L that I really appreciate you. Um, we are wow, we're six months away from our fifth anniversary at House of L, right? Yeah, seven months away from our fifth anniversary at House of L, and it's been a really fun process. I think that I have found my equilibrium as a podcaster, and I don't mean talking in front of a microphone. That's the easiest part of what House of L does. The business part is the part that I often find overwhelming. If it was the only thing I was doing, it would be easier um, and maybe even more lucrative because I would be posting like every day uh, if you were interested. But putting stuff together, finding new talent, finding the money to pay that that new talent is really important. So another reason why I thank the sports adjacent guys, because you know, they're the people that I run ideas off of, and they've been incredible partners in this venture as they grow their podcast. I do have some ideas for other people to center and let them take House of L out for a drive and figure out if they want to do a podcast. Like that's, you know, I was talking I was talking with some people. I don't want to throw their names and blow up their spots um, if they're trying to do something else too. But I was talking to some people a couple weeks ago, and I really enjoy discussing the possibilities, but trying to explain to people the grind that is doing a pod. Like, I don't feel like 
it's something that you should just jump in and jump out of. I do think that you should do it fairly regularly. And I know that I kind of took two weeks off after the bear season ended. But it's something that you should be doing regularly to build up your audience, to build up your reps if you're not used to speaking in, in front of a camera or into a microphone. Those are really important things to do. But I'm excited about some of the some of the people who come my way when it comes to uh, the ideas of, man, you know, you would be really interesting on a podcast. So over the next few months, I'm going to introduce you to some folks, and hopefully you will dig the uh, – the, the process of what we do. I was in Phoenix because if you listen to this podcast or listen to the radio show, you know I love Phoenix. It was not a vacation. I was working. It was interesting, though. Um, I had a wonderful time in Phoenix and want to throw out some thanks. Odyssey Phoenix and operations manager at Odyssey Phoenix, my man Chris Hernandez, they always treat me great. And I I actually feel like sometimes when you do shows on remotes, I've done shows at sporting events. I've done the Super Bowl. I've been recently doing shows from the United Center, which I'll get to before we get out of here today. And sometimes you, I did show at WFAN. When Zach and I were calling a St. John's game, and I was still the host of the nighttime show. And I got to tell you, the folks at Odyssey Phoenix really make me feel welcome, and I really like it. I do have some questions about their network, and it made me, like, while I was there, I was like, ah, I should probably, I probably need to boost my network at home. Because occasionally I do a show from home. And I don't want to fall off the air, but all of us, I, I think, have run into the problem of, do you have enough bandwidth? And I'm not speaking metaphorically here. Like, do you have enough bandwidth to make it work? And with a lot of people still broadcasting from home, which I think overall is a really good thing, there are still some things that we need to figure out as to make sure that it's it's as easy as it should be. So I did three shows there in Phoenix, and Dan was nice enough to be like, I told him, hey, man, I just got to, I got to go. I got, like, I got to go. <laughs> I need to be out in the sun, and I'm so glad that I did because you come back and it's going to snow for four days, like that sort of thing. I, I've realized recently that that is something that I struggle with. Uh, I, I, some, I, some people call it seasonal affective disorder. I just know that I'm missing out on the sun. And if I don't, there was that stretch where it was 14 days without the sun. It was driving me crazy. So I went out there and I felt great. I had been like, my back had been hurting. Like there was all sorts of stuff going on with me. And after four days there, I spent seven days in Phoenix, but after four days there, I was like, I feel better. And it wasn't like it was hot there. It wasn't, it wasn't even warm. It was 60 degrees, but it was sunny. And sitting in that sun, 
on the deck of my Airbnb was top notch. So I did three shows there, and then I did a show at Arizona State. And shout out to to Gail Fisher. You might like recognize that name because she used to be an anchor at NBC Sports Chicago. Although I believe when she was still there, it was Comcast. She was great. Like she runs like the sports media department over there. So we've kept in contact, and when I've gone to Phoenix, I usually, like, will hit her up. So I hit her up, and I was like, hey, I just need an Ethernet connection. Do you have a small room with a good Ethernet connection? Because, of course, colleges and state-run colleges have awesome Internet at them. I know this because I work at a college occasionally, and I know how awesome our Internet is at DePaul. The Cronkite Center at Arizona State is amazing. And it lets me know, like, we've made a lot of strides at DePaul with Radio DePaul and the TV production that we're doing. And we are churning out really good journalists. But from a facility standpoint, we need a lot of work. And when I go into the Cronkite Center in downtown, it's not in Tempe where the rest of the campus is. When I go downtown to... To the Cronkite Center, I'm like, ooh, we look at all this space. Look at all the things that one could do if they were so obliged. Um, but it's great. I'm planning on going back there at some point and visiting with the students. Very much looking forward to that. I, I think that, I mean, I'm not certain on this. I'm not making any announcement. I signed a three-year contract in June, so it's not like I'm going anywhere. Um. But I think that's probably where I go is to a classroom after I'm done with the industry or the industry is done with me. Now, it's not set in stone, and Lord knows as this episode of the podcast goes on, I'll tell you that you you can't really make any plans uh, that go too far in the future because of how everything changes. So, But I do feel comfortable I feel like the best version of myself when I'm teaching I wonder what that feels like doing it full-time instead of you know part-time the the way I've been doing it for the last 12 years but yeah I I get motivated when I get the opportunity to go to different schools or talk to some of my classmates from Alabama that are teaching um shout out to my man Nick Petraskevich who is teaching at Quinnipiac and I see some of the things that he's doing with his students, and I'm like, yeah, that's what's up. That's what you got to teach him. I am not teaching spring quarter. That's usually when I teach. And I talked with my department chair a little bit about it. I got stuff that I'm doing, like there's TV stuff that I'm doing, and ordinarily I don't have the spring available. So I was like, let me try that. Like, let me try having the spring available, I'm thinking about winter quarter being when I go. I'm, I'm debating, be, you know what, I think fall will be better. And that's what I'll tell my department chair. Because at least I'll have the last four weeks of, of the football season. Because I'll be working, ideally, I'll be working six days a week during fall quarter. And I'd rather, when the students leave at Thanksgiving at DePaul, it's fantastic. Like, they do their 10 weeks, and then it's like, the quarter's over. So I'll at least have four weeks of the NFL, five weeks of the NFL 
while I'm working six days, but I'm not grading papers or anything like that. Uh, thanks for helping me work through that. Um, but I was talking to my department chair about teaching, and, and you know, I told him you know what my schedule was, and he was very, very good about that. The other thing that concerned me about teaching this quarter is I'm not sure if I'm the right person to be in front of students right now. And it's because I have a lot of fear and trepidation about where the industry is going. And I felt a little bit like a doomsayer when I talk to my colleagues, whether we're talking on the academic side or people who work in broadcasting, because I'm, I'm, I'm very much like, everybody save your money. And you know, like, do you have your six month plan? I'm big on that, and I'm big on that because it was a long time ago, but recently enough that it still has impact. There was a time when there was a payroll mess up at the score. Like, you know, it wasn't malicious or anything like that. There was a payroll mess up at the score, and it couldn't be fixed. You know, you paydays Friday or whatever, and it was a direct deposit, the d- direct deposit was wrong, so they had to take the direct deposit out, and then I had to wait for m- my direct deposit that was supposed to come into my account. And I remember, I remember, I had $300 in a savings account. Now, I'm lucky. I got great parents, and if I ever, if I ever fell, I could lean on them. And my, at the time, like, my condo was, I was doing a good job of, everything was, like, paid up. Like, so it wasn't, like, the, the paycheck where everything gets debited. So I was very lucky. And then the next week, everything got straightened out. But I made a, a vow after that. You know, I, my dad used to watch, like, Susie Orman, and I was watching her, and she was talking about the six-month plan. And I said, you know, it's a really good thing to have. And I know that you have to be in a place of privilege to be able to save money, especially now, especially with inflation and where things stand. But I'm telling you, every dollar helps. So anyone in the industry, or if you're listening to this, um, even if it's even if it's 25 extra dollars that you're putting in your savings, like think about it. That's a maybe or close to a full tank of gas. You know what I'm saying? You might not be able to get a dozen eggs, <laughs> but for $50, you can at least keep your tank cool. You know what I'm saying? So I am, that is like my advice for people in the industry. Like check where you're at when it comes to your savings because It'll give you some peace of mind if things change. And part of the reason that it kind of affected me, I've, I've had friends laid off at a bunch of different places over the last few weeks. And you start looking around and you start going, oh, okay. This is kind of how it all starts, right? Where you start to see early retirements happen and you go, what's that about? And then you're like, oh, people get laid off and 
know, I talked to a friend of mine that got laid off out of market and it's scary to try and figure out what to do next. It's not just that. That's that's one thing. I think that a lot of companies, a lot of these companies are try desperately to kind of hang on to what they were during the pandemic and there wasn't there wasn't a lot of sales revenue being generated. So if if you'll allow me like I I'm going to give you like a really uh, uh, crass crash course on the economics of this. Like let's use a radio station for example. If the radio station is driven by advertising dollars, which most stations are, then they need advertising dollars coming in to run the physical plant of the radio station to pay the people in all the different departments like sales and promotions, operations, and then like talent. During the pandemic, there were a lot of businesses themselves that were pulling back. Like they were trying to save all of their money to operate their business. So one of the first things that gets cut is advertising. Now, advertising works. It truly does, especially if you can combine talent with a product that they really love. Um, Bernstein's so good at it. Like, he's really good. He cares about, like, Cameron Hughes. You know what I'm saying? I care about Amy Kite, for example. So it works, but still, I understand and have understood that if we go back to March of 2020, businesses being like, I, there's no reason for us to do that. We got to make sure that the lights stay on or we have to make sure that our deliveries are getting made. So there, there's a trickle-down effect that ends up happening where companies ordinarily have like some reserves, like if you've done good planning, there are some reserves. But considering how long it was before restaurants were opening back up, car dealerships where people felt good in a good enough economic place where they were out buying cars. Again, remember there was a big spike in used cars? I, I know I got, <laughs> I got letters from two cars ago. I'm like, I had that car. Look, I've been in this car for six years. I don't have that car no more. And they're like, why don't you come bring your BMW X5 in? I'm like, I, don't have, I haven't had that car since the Cubs won the championship. Anyway, so I still think that there are a lot of entities that are fighting through some of that stuff. We're seeing advertisers come back, and that's good, but – most of these broadcast companies where advertising is the big part of their model, like they're still digging out. They're still digging out of it. And it, it lends itself like the question of how should, what should the model be? Like people talk all the time about, oh, there's too many commercials on the score. Yeah, our product is free. Like it's absolutely free. So, People have to get paid, and the way that we do that is is through it. Now, we could charge you a subscription, but I have questions about how that model would work for a 
big box media company. I do think that there is something to the idea of if you are a smaller media company, this is not an announcement that House of L is going purely Patreon, but I do think that there's something to the idea of, let's say the House of L has 10,000 subscribers, okay? And I announce House of L is going to Patreon and all of the content that we're going to have on here, everything we do is going to cost you $10 a month. I would expect to lose 90 to 95% of my subscribers. But if I get the price point right on the people who are left and we end up with 1,000 subscribers or 750 subscribers at $10 a month, that's... And then I, if I wanted, I could actually still add advertising inside of there. But for a, a one-man band like House of L, where there's one person who runs it, <laughs> that would be more than enough to it to be lucrative. But I'm, I'm still kind of married to the old model, and quite honestly, I don't, I don't know if I have the time. Now, maybe if it were, my, again, my only gig... I would do that, but I don't know if I have the time to do it that way. So those are some of the things that are happening. Like everyone in on the radio side of the business, podcast. I, I do like that podcasting seems to be growing with big box media. So Odyssey's doing a lot of stuff. iHeartRadio is doing a lot of stuff. And I like that it gives people an outlet to do something that's maybe a little different than what they do on the regular. So there's that part of it. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The other part of it is a part that we don't talk about a lot, but has been in the news. And I've been meaning to do this pod, like this particular episode of the podcast for a while. I've been talking about it. I was wondering, is this better as a Twitter thread or is it better as a pod? But I think it probably works a little bit as both. And I'm going to try to explain this the best way that I can. You know how you watch Cubs games on Marquee and Sox games on NBC Sports Chicago or Yankees games on the Yes Network? Those are called regional sports networks. Like remember back in the day when it was Fox Sports Chicago and you know Comcast and you had all of these different places and, and entities connected with teams. A few years ago, a lot of these RSNs regional sports networks were bought up by the Sinclair company. And if you're like, wait, I remember Sinclair. Like, weren't they kind of involved with, with Marquee? And wasn't there a talk that they were going to buy Channel 9 and all that? Yes, those, that, those people. They've been buying up RSNs and really doing a good job of, like, cornering the market on it. They also have this relationship with Major League Baseball, because a lot of the regional sports networks carry baseball on their networks. But all of this stuff costs money. Infrastructure, all the things that you're building out, it costs money. So the, this story broke on Bloomberg earlier today. And I knew that Sinclair was, in, was at risk of filing for bankruptcy. They have not done that yet. But right now, they're $8.6 billion in debt. And they are looking to figure out a way to restructure it. And that could mean that they're going to file Chapter 11. And they are one of the broadcast partners of MLB, the NBA, and the NHL. They also, like Bally Sports, has become the name brand on top of the Sinclair um, regional sports networks. So I have concern. I have con- I know a lot of people who work for Bally's, like a lot of really good people, and I'm concerned, as, as you should be when you start hearing rumblings of bankruptcy. Now, to push back against some of my doom saying, sometimes when companies restructure under bankruptcy, Pieces get sold off. And if the piece is profitable, it should still live and the listener or the viewer shouldn't see that big of a difference. It's happened multiple times in in broadcasting. Like This isn't bankruptcy related, but the score has been owned by multiple people and or entities in the time that I've been there, it's been Diamond Broadcasting, and it's been CBS, and Intercom, and Viacom, and now we're Odyssey. But the score has always been a, a profitable, healthy brand because we sell. Like, or we, we have, in the past, sold very well along with um, WBBM, our, new, our news radio 
sister station. Here's the thing. And, and maybe, like, for radio, it's possible that the things that end up happening with the RSNs ends up being good because if you want your Cub game, you know the place where you can get it. Or if you want your White Sox game, you know the place that's probably not going to go away is the radio broadcast. But, but, the other part of this story, and I'll read this from, from Bloomberg, some of the quotes that, that they have on this. You're looking at a potential rewrite of the entire regional sports business on the other side of this restructuring, says David Herbert, a senior telecom analyst at Debt Research from Credit Sites. That's scary because of the connection with MLB, the NBA, and the NHL. And I'm not sure how any of those entities feel about like restructuring their rights deals. The other part of this has to do with BAM Tech. Full disclosure, when 120 Sports started, it started as an entity and a partnership with MLB. I really loved working there. And I love that I felt like they were out ahead. Because when I started working there, it was at 2015. This was an over-the-top, what's called an over-the-top network. And they were doing streaming before people kind of understood that there could be a live streaming product. I think they were way, way ahead of their time. But Major League Baseball had developed this incredible technology. Like, if you look at at what Major League Baseball creates on MLB.com and and there's this relationship between – I believe I believe I have this right. If I'm wrong, feel free to correct me. Major League Baseball owns all of the video rights to the NHL. So like MLB and NHL network are connected, their studios are are connected, their talent like our buddy Sierra, she does she works at both places cuz it's the same place. But MLB had bought had created Bam Tech And it was revolutionary in its innovation. But they've been slowly selling BAM Tech to Disney. And what was that? A few months ago, they completed that sale. Like, they decided that they wanted the cash instead of the the long-term future of it, which I also get because we're talking about billions of dollars. And you're saying, well, Lawrence, how does this affect me? Your favorite baseball team has had multiple infusions of cash because of the sale of BAM Tech, including this year. The White Sox and the Cubs are going to get $30 million from the sale of BAM Tech for this season. Now, it's not recurring. Like, it's not, it's not going to be every year, but they get, they, they got, this happened before. It's happened a few years ago. And it happened again, where they've got $30 million of cash. What owners decide to do with that cash is pretty interesting. Some use it to say, let's go out and get the players that we want. Some put it in a bank and say, look, we're not getting that money ever again. Let's take that money and let it make interest. Let's cut our cost and up our savings and go to work. So viewer habits have changed. And because viewer habits have changed, I think a lot of companies and streaming companies in particular 
got ahead of themselves, which, you know, their success and you get, you, you start to fly high, Icarus. And now what's happening? You're out here watching Netflix and you're like, why does Netflix cost $20 now? And you're like, well, I got to have Netflix and I, I got to have Disney because I'm, I'm waiting for season two of Andor to come out. And now that costs more money. And you're like, well, I got to have Paramount Plus because I'm waiting for the next Star Trek to come out. And this is clearly me talking, but it costs more money. And then you look up and you're going, man, this really didn't save me more money than having cable. And I still have to have cable in some cases. By the way, side note. When I travel, a lot of the places are, they, they don't have cable, which I'm totally okay with because I have a lot of streaming networks and access to a lot of streaming networks. I do not like Google Chromecast. It seems easy, but... The tap dancing that I had to do with my phone to find, make sure that everything that I wanted to watch was on Google Chromecast. I'm Roku all day. All day. Never had any problems. Didn't matter if I was in the States or if I was in Canada. Roku all day. Give me some money. No, they're not going to give me any money. Hey, look, give me some money. Um, so I have a lot of concerns about what happens here. And it's it's not just this. Like you can see that there's some belt tightening that's going on industry wide. And when it comes to sports media, it's it's usually a place where people think they can get by. Where we are seeing um, less people working at newspapers. And I think that there's a price that we pay as a society for that. That's why I have a subscription to the Tribune and the Sun-Times, even though I work at the Sun-Times. So these, I j- I'm worried. And to go back to what I was saying about teaching, when you're seeing friends of yours, colleagues from across the country, start to get laid off, it becomes difficult to be as enthusiastic about Sending off your students, and you know me, I always refer to my students as my kids. Sending my kids out into the harsh reality that is sports media in 2023. And so I'm frustrated. Like, I'm going to be straight up with you. I know that I'm okay, and this isn't about me. I know that I'm okay. I also know that if hell comes to breakfast, there are other things that I can do. And I have my, I got a, a pretty serious rainy day fund where if, if, if hell comes to breakfast, your boy, you might just find like, hey, what happened after, after they shut down the score? Where'd Lawrence go? Lawrence is sitting on a mountain in Sedona babbling to himself. That's probably where I'm going to be before I figure out what I do. But I'm trying to tell people. I was at a National Association of Black Journalists affair a couple weeks ago. It was great. It was a really good panel. I got to be on a panel with uh, four people that I genuinely love. Shakia Taylor, Tony Gill, and Jason Goff. 
And it was great, but a bunch of us were talking. It was me, Tony, Jason, uh, J.A. Adonde was there, Evan Moore, Marshall Harris. A bunch of us were talking about what's happening, and the fear is palpable. Um, I do think that you're going to see some... I, I think that we're not done with the belt tightening. And I, having experience being laid off, um, it, it stinks. It's nice to know that it wasn't, like, performance-based, but it's humbling. And I realize that part of the reason that I have a million side hustles is because there needs to be multiple income streams if you work in this industry. I mean, if you're at the tippy top, if you're Stephen A or Skip Bayless, I mean, even those dudes have sides, but if you're making $10 million a year like Stephen A, you're good. Even if you live in New York, you're good. But I just think that it's it, it would be prudent right now for people who work in the industry to prepare. And here's the best thing, and I told a friend of mine this. If I'm wrong about where things are going, and it's quite possible that I've misread the situation completely wrong, and that you, you would be right to call me a doomsayer. But if I'm wrong, guess what happened? You saved money. That's the worst thing that happened. Like, the worst thing that happened is you didn't buy that extra drink. Because I'm only talking about save as much as you can, but every little bit helps. I'm talking about $25. If you can figure out a way to save $25 a week, and if it ends up being $25 a month, fine. But there's there's uh, no security like being able to be like, cool. And I'll, I'll tell you this much, too. This is just a little thing from me to you. The other thing about, I call it build, building a war chest. Because like, I'm ridiculous. The other thing about building a war chest is it gives you leverage in negotiations. You know how, like, there's that, that whole, like, that concept, ah, quit this job today. If you've got money in the bank, you can do that. And if you've got money in the bank, you can clap back on a deal that you don't think is good, and you go, no, nah, I'm good, and I'll be good even if I don't sign this deal. If we're desperate, that's when we are at the mercy of management and as I said, they're trying to save money. I'm not mad at them. Like, that's their job. Like, their job is for them to save money and get a good product on the air. I get that. But if you save just a little bit at a time, like, you'll look up and you'll be like, okay, cool. Whatever it is that you feel comfortable with. Like, six months is what is a minimum for me. I'm beyond that now, but if you need enough where you can cover, like, man, Make sure that insurance is paid up and rent is paid and all that good stuff. But these are some of the reasons why, that, why I'm concerned. And I just wanted you to know that. Before I go, 
I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about Lynn Bramer. I did not want to... You're, you're probably looking at this episode right now being like, why isn't it just about Lynn Bramer? I didn't want to use Lynn Bramer's name to promote my podcast. Okay? So, it's something else that I'm discussing. The bonus for the person that listened through all of this is you hear me talk about my friend who I miss terribly. I'm really appreciative of everything that WXRT as a radio station has done for me. And it's not a small thing. Dan and I were talking about it earlier this week. Getting the stamp of approval from XRT as members of the score was everything. People like Terry Himmer and Frankie Lee and Lynn Bramer, Marty Leonard, like those people, they, they don't need to throw around lies. <laughs> like they don't have to tell you that you're good. They're legends. Like they're in various halls of fame. And the score is a very different place. It's a very different energy than WXRT. I always loved when we were together, it was just the two of us. It was XRT and the score, and we shared the space at, at Belmont, 4949 West Belmont. If you go over there in, into Belmont, Cragen, you can actually still see the call letters of each station on the front of the building. And I think we use that place for, like, storage now or something. I romanticize about going back there, but, man, that would be one hell of a commute from Hyde Park these days. I'll tell you that much right now. Anyway, everyone that I've interacted with over there, whether it's on air or off, like Norm Weiner was a big proponent of my career, too. Mary Dixon is one of the best human beings that I know. One of the smartest, too. Uh, I've I've felt welcome. I enjoy, whether it was at Belmont or now downtown, XRT's on a different floor than the score. So occasionally I sneak up there. I, I, I go hang out there. <laughs> and I just sit and I look at stuff. Like they've got all this great memorabilia, all these gold records and platinum records and photos of all the concerts that they've done, the places that they've been. If you've heard the the episode with Lynn, the episode with Lynn is episode 12. He was nice enough as House of L was starting out to sit down with me for an hour and talk about radio. You can hear the passion that he has for the genre. And it's great. XRT to me is unique. I don't think that there's another station. I, I sample a lot. I don't think there's another station like it in the country. Like maybe there's a couple of places in Seattle um, that that live like that. Maybe a couple places in in the South where they're still run independently. But XRT is is a thing. Like it's a lifestyle. And Lynn Lynn's just a good person. He was is a sweetheart of a man and. You ever been in a room with someone that you knew was smarter than you? And, but they didn't flaunt it. 
they they bring you in with their intelligence and their worldliness. That's Lynn Bramer. Lynn had a story for everything. He'd meet all these incredible people. He's read, like he's well read. He'd read all of these things. And he'd tell you stories about it all. He'd tell you stories about Keith Richards, <laughs> you know? Like for real. I don't know if you ever heard Lynn's story about Keith Richards, but him and Keith Richards were like cool. And he had this thing where he was, he had <laughs> introduced him and Keith was at the same hotel he was at. And, and he's like, Keith, you got to come and like show my people that I actually know you. And eventually Keith like popped his head into the room. Like that's juice. That's juice. Lynn was a, a part of our softball team. He was he was our manager in, until he got sick. And one of the best things that happened to me in 2022 was Lynn showing up for the final game that we had against WGN Radio. Now, we lost, and um, I blame myself for us losing, and I feel awful about us losing because I made a huge mistake in the game that probably cost us the game. But it was still a great day because, you know, Shane and I are out in the outfield on another diamond and we're getting ready to come over to play the game. And, and I was like, Shane, we should, we should FaceTime Lynn before we go play. And he's like, we don't have to. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, he's right there. Shane had set it up, man. He had set it up and he got, he wanted to come out and watch us, and he felt bad because we had been undefeated until the championship game, and he felt bad. He's like, well, it was my fault. I was like, no, it's squarely my fault on why we lost. But getting those Mondays with him, like every Monday during the, the spring and summer, Lynn Bramer would give us a history lesson and a speech and he'd be fun and be funny. Like as the game is going on, you could talk to him about all sorts of stuff. It's it's amazing. I don't really hang out the way that I should. I'm pretty much I go home, you know? Like I'm working on that. Like I I deal with a lot of anxiety when it comes to being in places and places with a lot of people. It's been a struggle. I've talked about it before, but over the last five years, like, it's been really hard. But hanging out with like-minded radio people and playing softball has always been good for me. It gives me an outlet, and I like, I genuinely like the people that uh, we play on the softball team and the people that are in the league. Like, I think it's a really fun, good league, even though we're kind of known as, like, the trash talkers. We, we don't really talk trash. It's funny. Like, we talk trash to each other. Like, Odyssey Softball talks trash to Odyssey Softball, but other teams kind of take it the wrong way. But Lynn was this dynamo of a personality. And I still can't get over it. When I used to do the nighttime show at the score, I'd run into Lynn, and I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? Because he was the morning man. And he didn't make any sense. He'd be like, well, I'm going to the Cubs game. I'm like, what do you mean you're going to the Cubs game? 
You got to be on the air at 5 o'clock or whatever. You know how hard that is? That's hard if you go to sleep at 10 without going to a game, without the energy of a game. But Lynn knew everybody. And he wanted to just, like, have a beer with people and talk baseball and watch the game. and it, it, It's why... It's why this week the city mourned him. And I was really happy to see the way that the city mourned our friend. Whether it was candlelight or folks on Twitter like Lin-Manuel Miranda and Lyle Lovett and bands in Chicago that XRT played a role in their success. It's still like people are still pouring in with their condolences because that's the type of impact that he had. But seeing how the city like put on for Len, like made, made me feel better. And it's hard. Like, it's hard when you lose someone that is that influential. And because he made it a point to make you, the listener, like, feel special. Like, that's a, that's a, a tough trick to pull off. But when you got a personality like that, you can. So, I will miss him terribly. And he's he's always emailing. He's always buying pizza for us on Fridays. Or, hey, I'm at this sandwich shop and he'd bring us food. And he just wanted to come and hang out. And I always loved it when he hung out. I always felt like I learned something. I always felt like he was paying attention to me when I talked. And it was nice to be in his presence for as long as I was. I know that people who are listeners to XRT have a very different relationship than I do. And because he's your best friend in the whole whole wide world, um, this hurts. And it's okay to acknowledge that. We are very lucky that he was in our lives. And it's going to be hard to replace him, but I'm going to try. Like, I... I when when people pass away, like when JD passed away, it's, it's shit, man. It has been a rough eighteen months between Vaughn and JD and Les and now Lynn. Oh, but I was saying when JD died that the thing about JD that I always liked and admired was his ability to bring people together. Like JD's nickname was the Mayor. And I want to, I want to do that. Like I want to connect people when I can. With Lynn, I feel like the lesson, at least for me, is to be present more. And in some of those situations where I am asked to do or to come out to stuff, like I need to do a better job of going out and like working through my anxiety, because there's usually it's usually not as bad as you think, and there is a reward to some of it where you get to spend time with your favorite people or learn something or talk to people that you didn't know. And I feel like that's kind of the lesson. Like whenever 
someone passes away, you can't completely change who you are, but you can take elements of what other people are and try to add it to your own unique personality. And that's what I'll try and do. And I'm going to, we're, we're going to work hard this season. I don't even know if I'm going to play. I keep tr- trying to tell Shane that <laughs> he had a, you know, a 47 year old dude making an all-star team. That's just, <laughs> it's, it's time for Julio Franco maybe to hang up his softball cleats. But Lynn would, he'd be like, are you insane? Like, you can still play, so play. And he would talk about how he wishes he could still play. So maybe that'll be the thing that I learn and I take from it. But he will be absolutely missed. A wonderful human being. An incredible talent. Like, (laughs) it's disgusting how good he was at his job. Go back and listen to the collection of Lens Benz. You talk about a guy who could write, who drew from all different sort of influences and passed it along to the audience. Just a dope dude, man. I'll miss him very much. That's how I'm going to end the podcast because, man, it's rough to even end the podcast because it's not the end of me talking about Lynn. I'm sure I'll bring it up again at some point, but be more like Lynn. Make it your own thing because he would want you to be an individual. (laughs) But be more like Lynn Bramer. Um, Our best friend. In the whole world. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.